Welcome to a very special Rivalry Week edition of Langrant Holy Land podcast. You might be confused because this is the middle of April and then we're all in quarantine and there's no college football. But because of ESPN, this is officially, unofficially, Ohio State Michigan Week. Because on Thursday night, ESPN will be replaying the 2016 Ohio State Michigan game, better known as the Spot Game. And we have brought together two of the best possible people in the world to talk about this game for very different reasons. The first, I'm very glad to be joined as I was all fall uh, on Saturday mornings by the Columbus sports reporting legend, Lori Schmidt. Lori, how have you been? How are you dealing living life in quarantine? Well, I I think like most people, Matt, I have uh, my good days and bad, but more good than bad. So let's say we're doing really well here in Columbus, Ohio. That's very good to hear. Going from Columbus, Ohio to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we are joined by the managing editor of Land Grant Holy Land, Tia Johnston. And Tia, the reason we wanted to talk to you about this is because you have said openly that this is your favorite game of all time. In fact, in an article that went up on Tuesday, you said that was the happiest you have ever been. And you were you got married like within the past (laughs) month and you still wrote that. So clearly this is a very big deal for you. I mean, yeah, just the relief that I felt. It was really unlike anything else. And you you just had to experience it, especially in the stands. I was a nervous wreck up until that point. Okay, we will not tell your husband that uh, this game ranks over <laughs> your wedding and subsequent honeymoon. But uh, we will we will let that go and just talk about the game uh, itself. Lori, this was a crazy season. Um, you know, Ohio State has had a stranglehold on this rivalry for close to two decades now. But this was a game where it was still early in Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan. We had not realized that he was a fraud that we all know that he is now. But there was a lot of you know nervousness and anxiety about this game going in. Talking before the game, what do you remember about the buildup for this game and where Buckeye Nation was, where the team was, and feeling like they compared with the team from up north? I remember that the sense was that Ohio State had kind of gotten things on track a little bit after the Penn State game, after their loss against Penn State in October there was a sense that Ohio state had been exposed in some ways. And so there was a a lot of sense that third ranked Michigan could come in and do a lot of damage, uh, especially since it had taken Ohio state overtime to beat Wisconsin. They had lost to Penn state. Yes, they had demolished Nebraska, but there was always some skepticism about Nebraska so I, I do remember, you know, Tia talks about the nervousness that she felt in the stands. I think some of that was built up before the contest even started. Sure. And the week before Ohio State played Michigan, they played Michigan State. And it was a one point win for Ohio State that really saved in a lot of you know ways their potential for um, a really important and really special postseason, which obviously was made even better uh, by Michigan than we won't talk about what actually happened in the postseason, but that one point win against the Spartans um, really prolonged their season and gave them uh, a lot of excitement. This team is a very interesting team because it's one that was, uh, you know, two seasons removed from 
a national championship. They were one season removed from potentially an even better team that did not make it to the college football playoff, but they'd lost Ezekiel Elliott. They were now having the two-headed monster of uh, Mike Weber and Curtis Samuel and even Demario McCall out of the back. But it was a much different team. Lori, do you remember kind of what the vibe was for that team? Because it was a very different drop-off. This was after Cardale was gone. JT Barrett was back firmly in control of this team as the starting quarterback. Did this team have a different feeling coming off of the successes and the super high elite levels of performances that they'd had in the previous two seasons? Well, the previous two seasons, they had such talented teams that there was almost this sense that they were so talented that they had put a premium on talent and lost sort of the emphasis they needed on cohesion and hmm. connectedness and chemistry. Uh, so there was some sense that maybe the, in this 2016 season, this was a squad that could find the balance, uh, a team that had the sort of rapport with one another, the buy-in to the brotherhood that they needed to be something special. Um, and that as close as their overtime win was against Wisconsin, as close as things were against Michigan State, that those might be signs of a team that could put everything together, but that would need to be firing on all cylinders more than previous teams had because they really needed to maximize their talent. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the uh, the MO for JT Barrett in general, maximizing his talent. Clearly not the most talented quarterback that Ohio State has had during the past two decades, right? And, and oftentimes not even maybe the most talented quarterback on his team, but he always found a way to maximize his particular skill set, and that obviously bore true in the Michigan game. Now, Tia, going into this game, you said that you are generally a nervous fan. How, on a scale of 1 to, I don't know, 37, what what was your feeling, what was your nervous level going into this one? As Lori mentioned, it was a 2 versus 3 matchup. What did you feel as a fan walking into the stadium that day. This is awful, but I am always going into Ohio State Michigan games with like the thought that we may likely lose because I don't want to feel the disappointment or the shock if that is the case. Um, so that was kind of amplified for this one considering the ranking that Michigan had and what was at stake. So I would say 36. <laughs> 36 out of 37 on the nervous scale. Okay, good good to know. Did that ebb and flow at all during the game? Because even though Ohio State had leads throughout the game, they never had a sizable margin of victory. Did it stay at 36 or did it go down? Did it get more? Where was the nervous energy throughout the contest? Well, it started, the game started with Michigan not scoring. We kept them from scoring. And then we drove the ball 72 yards up the field. So I was feeling pretty good. I was like, oh, momentum has started early. That like rarely happens for Ohio State. They they never really start off good immediately. Um, and then Tyler Durbin missed his first 37-yard field goal. And I it was shot right back up. <laughs> Yeah, fight club, not not coming out to fight in that one. Um, but this game, so much of this game is thought about in the way that it ended. But it really was um, a pretty interesting contest between these two teams because 
obviously the double overtimes help a lot, but JT Barrett had twice as many rushing attempts as he did passing attempts. He actually had one more rushing yard than he did passing yard, 125 to 124. And the running backs combined didn't have, you know, I think they had, it looks like they had a total of 80 yards in addition to Barrett. This was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination, Laurie. Yeah, it, it's sort of the M.O. of a, an Urban Meyer coach team, right? Um, stick with what he thinks works. Put the odds in your favor by putting the ball in the quarterback's hands and and therefore having one more person that can block. Uh, yeah, that and just keep running that. And so just remember the Titans, the college version, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... We're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to drill it like a dentist. And um, <laughs> oh. we're just going to keep going at them like this. We need that uh, on a t-shirt. Drill it like a dentist. I love that, Lori. That is that is <laughs> going on a hashtag or a t-shirt or something at some point. <laughs> well, I, I was actually going to tell you the other thing that um, the other observation that I really want to make right now is that we're not allowed to tell Tia's husband that this game was one of the best days of her life. I assume that means we also really, really can't tell him that the way she deals with stress is to set her expectations low. (laughs) Very fair. That's very fair. I would hope by now he knows that, but uh, maybe not. Maybe we're keeping lots of secrets at this point. So, so who knows? Um, (laughs) But Laura, you know, it's interesting. So much of that, you talk about how Urban Meyer's offense evolved into a very almost trestle-like mentality, but it really was a game in which there were a ton of defensive plays that um, that really turned the tide. Malik Hooker had a pick six. Um, their Ohio State um, recovered a, a fumble on a on a snap inside the five yard line from Michigan was going in to score. Um, Jerome Baker had an interception. What do you recall about whether it was in that game or that season in general? That version of the Ohio State defense. I think that. Ohio State's defense has been sort of the story of this series for a long time. I mean, we remember the moments, yes. We remember Anthony Gonzalez catching the ball against his helmet and Curtis Samuel, arms extended, running into the end zone. We we do remember the offensive moments, but really, to me, the thing that has defined this series and and the part of it that Ohio State has dominated lately has been the defensive play of the Buckeyes. So this was not a surprise to me that the defense had come up big for the Scarlet and Gray that day. Yeah, and they came up huge. And I'm going to take Tia to kind of go along with your thoughts about being a nervous fan. I'm going to take us back at this point um, more than uh, 18 years. And I was in Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona, when Ohio State beat Miami for the national, the BCS national championship at that time, and in overtime, I was in the end zone, the opposite side of the stadium, and I remember I was so nervous and so scared. Like I sat down on the steps in the middle of the aisle, and my friend, I believe, still Ohio State's all-time volleyball assist record holder, holder Katie Virtue, made me stand up for the play in which there was eventually a penalty flag thrown that prolonged the game. And I was with you. I was like a mess crumpled down on the stadium stairs, unable to watch. As we start going into overtime, 
Tia, what is your mental and physical approach to suffering through two overtimes of this game? Well, so I do, I have to tell this story. So we went into overtime because Durbin made the kick or made his field yeah, goal made, with made one second left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was sitting next to his parents in this game. So I don't even want to explain to you what I was feeling without oh my God. telling you how they were feeling. Yes. His mom was in tears. I mean, she was like hugging me and I don't even think she knew me. <laughs> so she's like embracing me like he made it. They're going crazy. I'm still, I'm not happy yet. I'm like, I will not be happy until this game is over. So I'm like comforting her. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, and then we get into overtime. I'm My family is very, they're not like me. They're very positive Buckeye fans. So I'm with them and they're like, we're going to win. Ohio State's going to win this. And I'm like you, I am sitting down in the bleachers. People are standing. I can't see the field. I'm just going off like what the crowd is doing. <laughs> so I was, I was not good. Not good. Okay. Well, we'll get to the good here, here in a few minutes, but Lori, I know you generally watch most of the game from uh, upstairs in the press box. And then we'll go down towards the end of the game uh, because you're eventually going to get interviews and then go to the press conference. Um, I know you told us before we started recording that you had made it down to the sideline by the time we got into this double overtime and you were at least in the general proximity of the what about the the 10 15 yard line do you remember exactly where you were um, so people can get a visual of where your sight line might have been yeah pretty much the 10 yard line that that's yeah the the, the 10 yard line the buckeye 10 yard line they're yeah. at their the end zone they're score. running into yeah so they're going in uh to score it's double overtime obviously so they're using the same side of the field both uh on both sides but they're going in to score they're on offense it's fourth and one and jt barrett keeps the ball he it should have been from under center if you're asking me but nobody asked me but he runs towards the 15 yard line because it's it's double overtime they started the 25 and we all know what happens he spins they mark the spot. The spot is good. They gave him the first down. But, Lori, you were on the sidelines five yards in front of them. First off, was the spot, in fact, good, in your opinion? Yes. I, and it was the consensus of all the people that I was standing around, too. Uh, not only the the reporters from national outlets. I was standing by ESPN's Ian Fitzsimmons, who My old boss, did, yes. do, do a stint in Columbus, so he's not totally yeah. unbiased but uh, he's a national reporter he thought the spot was good the members of the chain gang uh, you know i have a football officials license so i am friends with all the members of the the chain gang because they are football officials um they seem to think that the the spot was good it was just the general consensus of the area where i was standing that the spot was good there was only one dude who was really, really convinced that it wasn't. And he was throwing his headphones somewhere. Yes. And breaking them. And, oh, we will get, we will get to him. Uh, but Ian Fitzsimmons, I will mention that is how I first met Laurie Schmidt. Cause I was an intern for the Herbie and Fitzsimmons show. Laurie does not remember this, but I fondly remember the time that I had with her and DR rails back and Paul Keels uh, at two different studios, by the way, Laurie, I was there when it started at the bank of America building, I think, or that was that what it was? And then went to down into the brewery district. So, um, that's my time. But either way, so you mentioned 
I just don't remember you as an intern because you were so good. I thought you oh, were a full-time it. employee. You don't, you don't, you don't remember me at all. <laughs> it's fine. It, I'm not hurt. It was a long time ago, but that's fine. I appreciate you lying about that. Um, but <laughs> um, so you mentioned the guy throwing his helmet. That is Jim Harbaugh. And whatever reason it might be, and I think there's a lot of reasons that we can go into. People argue about on Twitter all the time, whether it's a coaching difference or the recruiting difference. But Lori, you felt like there was a specific reason in this game that might have led Ohio State to be able to pull off um, a pretty impressive comeback and victory. Yeah, I just felt like that that was a sign that Harbaugh was panicking. It just felt like he was losing it. And that was translating to his players. When the the crew, the officiating crew said the spot was good. I talked about the consensus of the area where I was at, that people thought the spot was good. Well, the, the people I was standing with also thought after that happened, this game isn't going to last much longer uh, because the <laughs> sort of attitude that, that and the, yeah, the, the sort of emotion that Harbaugh had there on the sideline was translating to his players. It was a, a sign. Hey, if the referees aren't going to stop him, I don't know how we are going to. And, and I want to say, I don't, I don't think emotion by a coach is always a bad thing. You know, sometimes your players need to see that you're upset for them. Uh, sometimes if you're not getting calls and you feel like there's a pattern of calls going against you, I think it's okay for a coach to remind the officials, Hey, you know, I'm not just going to sit here and, and accept being on the losing end of all of these calls. But what happened there in that moment felt like a lack of faith by Jim Harbaugh and his team to do what is necessary after Ohio State got the first down. It really felt like that from where I was at in the game. Tia, we know where Lori was during this play. Where were your seats? Other than sitting next to uh, Tyler Durbin's parents, where were you in Ohio Stadium? I was on the other side of the field from the play, and I think probably around the 50. So I couldn't see this happening. And again, like I said, I was... I was really relying on the crowd cheering to know like whether or not good things were happening over there. Um, and so all I, all I remember is that they, they were reviewing it. So again, this emotional roller coaster of like, Oh, it's a first down and then it's getting reviewed. So we have to go through that pause and then they rule it good again. And then it goes from there. But I, I could not see anything over there. <laughs> You know, there's a big screen on the uh, south side of the stadium, right? Okay, so it it wasn't that you couldn't see. It's just that you couldn't watch. I couldn't see. And then I just, I was like, well, I'm just not going to watch then. Okay, so as we know that the spot is determined, they are reviewing. What was your emotion? What was the reaction in that section where you were at? after the referees confirmed that the spot was in fact good and Ohio State still had life? Oh, it was, it it erupted. I have never heard anything like it. I think it was louder then than it was when Curtis Samuel ultimately won the game. Which was only a few seconds later. I mean, that's, I mean, it, right. this was immediately. Um, so they, the spot is in fact good. They then, I, I believe it is the very, I think it was first down. Curtis Samuel runs to the left, breaks through almost practically untouched, does the incredible pose, as Lori mentioned earlier, with his arms extended into the end zone, and everybody erupts. 
from that 36 on a 37 scale, when did it finally drop? Was it not until he crossed the line? Did that did the, the spot itself bring the nerves down a little bit? What was your feeling there? So the spot brought it down. Obviously, we we were still in the game. But I was like, if if we don't get it here, you know, or like, God forbid, we kick another field goal and we're going into a third overtime. Oh, I Lord. don't think I can handle this. So, um, <laughs> no, as soon as he crossed that line, I when I tell you how happy I was, like I was a senior in college. It was my last, you know, student Ohio State Michigan game. It was amazing. I can't even describe it. That's yeah, that's a good time. So afterwards, we said Curtis Samuel runs in scores. I don't think there was did they, nobody rushed the field. Did they? I don't remember. Is that a joke? <laughs> I don't remember. I really don't remember. I don't I don't remember things very well. I'm like Dory. Um, did, rush the field. Did you rush the field? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I don't even know how I got down there. <laughs> that was my first field rush, too. I was like, how do how do you get down there? It's like a pretty good jump. But somehow I just <laughs> I found myself on the 30 yard line at okay. some point okay. and we were singing Carmen, Ohio and running around. Yeah, doing nothing. <laughs> OK, so so that happens. Lori, do you remember? Well, first off, the big question were you in the Jim Harbaugh holding my hands out like a sub subway footlong sandwich press conference? I was not. The Ohio State and uh, opposing visitors uh, press conference always go on at the same time. That's in poor two planning. different locations at the that's, stadium. That's poor so, planning. It's sort of necessary that because and, of the logistics of the stadium um, and the desire to get reporters out of there as soon as possible. So. I'm not going to complain about it. No, I, I, I missed Harbaugh's uh, we were this close press conference. Okay. So you were then, I'm assuming, with Ohio State and, and their press conference. What Once what, I got there, yes. Yeah. It, did it take you a while to get there because the crazy people like Tia decided to, to rush the Thanks, field? Thanks, Tia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what? I was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm assuming. I, I did rush the field in 2001, my senior year at Ohio State. Uh, we rushed the field uh, when Ohio State beat Michigan to go to the uh, BCS National Championship game. But that's neither here nor there. What what was the emotions afterwards for that game? Was it a sense of relief? Was it a sense of we knew this all along? Um, obviously, that was really the one time that Harbaugh had a chance to beat Ohio State uh, as a coach. And we didn't know that then. But what was the feeling? Did it feel like this was something that was going to propel them to much bigger and better things? I think that sometimes when you have this really big adrenaline spiked moment, you don't have anything emotionally left to give after that. And there have been some games where, yes, I'll go in the locker room and Kirk Barton will be smoking a stogie and everyone will be celebrating and things are very raucous. But after this game, it was a little businesslike because I think they had spent so much of themselves on the field that they didn't have much left in reserve for celebration at that moment. There were a lot of smiles. Uh, there was a lot of uh, back slapping, but I, you know, I talked about my long trek to the uh, locker room. Those players made that same trek, you know, yeah. and it was, it was a lot more difficult to get through the Ohio state fans than it was the Michigan defense um, on that last play. So <laughs> well done. So they were they were a little bit spent at that point I think. I don't I don't remember it being some grand victory celebration. I think there was a sense 
that Ohio State would get a, a very good postseason berth as a result of this, but I don't I don't know that they're We're not gonna talk about that. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about what happened next. <laughs> um but I, I think at that moment there had just been a lot put left on the field and a little to carry into the locker room. Yeah, they were physically and emotionally spent. That makes uh, a ton of sense. Tia, did you feel similarly? Were you emotionally spent afterwards? Or was this something where you like went out and burned couches and partied on high street? <laughs> like what was what was your emotional level following the game? It was definitely closer to the second. <laughs> okay. I Burning was just couches, like, good. On a high. Like adrenaline. I think it was like I keep saying, it was happiness and excitement, but mostly just relief. I feel like maybe the players felt the same, like relief that it was over and they won and it's just it's done now. <laughs> That's yeah. kinda how I felt. Now, Definitely a lot of celebrating. Sure. Now T, I'm assuming since this is um, your favorite moment of all time and you want to relive that, um, you're going to be watching on Thursday night uh, on ESPN. Do you anticipate the nerves returning or do you think, yes, not even a question. You're not going to let me finish Um, my question. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I just wrote an opinion piece on this game and to do so, I looked back through like the recap of the game and I, my heart was... (laughs) My heart was racing while I was reading it, even though I knew what was happening. And that was just like, like the recap. You've got issues. On on a game, you know, let alone watching it. (laughs) All right. So you've got issues. And so we'll have to check in. Everybody check in on Tia now or like during the game uh, while it's airing on Thursday night to make sure that she's remembering to breathe. Um, Lori, before we go, is there anything that as people are getting ready to watch these, this rebroadcast on Thursday night that they should look out for anything that, that sticks in your mind is something that whether it's a play or just a player or how urban was on the sideline, anything that, that you would point people to, to keep an eye on as they rewatch this game on Thursday night? Um, I would say that when you can divorce yourself emotionally, if you can, it's kind of cool to watch a game and and just watch the nuts and bolts of it. And I tell you, it's um, it's it's a cool experience when you can watch a game, know the outcome, and and then be able to dissect. Well, how did we get here? As opposed to just living and dying with every moment, um, because that that's fun to do at the time. But it's also good to go back and watch a game sort of with a with a microscope. And look at how how did we get here? Because that's how you build a, a successful stretch of games like this is by finding the formula that works. And certainly, that's what coaches do. It's kind of neat to put yourself in that coaching mindset and to be able to think of the game like Urban would have thought it, as opposed to how you would have thought it and, and watched it as a fan at the fifty yard line. If you can possibly manage to do that. Maybe, Pia, avoid caffeine all day so that you can get in that mindset. (laughs) 
Very good. That's a great piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, thank you both for talking about this game. Um, as I said before, I have the memory of Dory, so like the actual specifics I don't generally remember, so there will be a lot of fun to rewatch on Thursday night. I will be live, live tweeting? I don't know if that's the right term there. I'll be tweeting about the game from uh, our Land Grant Holy Land Twitter account, at LandGrant33. You can find Lori Schmidt on Twitter, at Lori Schmidt. And Tia, since you just got married, you changed your Twitter handle. What is it officially where are all these underscores and things? <laughs> it's one underscore at Tia Johnston underscore. Easy. Yeah, but then your Instagram handle is different. We had this argument at the beginning that we didn't we didn't record. You've got to have to be the yeah. same on all of them. But they now match. They, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that you did that so quickly. Um, that'll be good <laughs> good professional branding. Um, but thank you all for for listening to this. This is a crazy time. So uh, wash your hands. Stay inside. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And uh, stay uh, stay tuned to Langer and Holy Land both in the Twitter. Uh, world online and uh, in the podcast feed. So enjoy the game and we'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Bucks.